Excuse me, waiter, this coffee tastes like mud. Yes, sir, it's fresh ground. What do you call a skid mark that won't come out? Undeterred. Did you hear about the dirty Easter egg hunt? It was hosted by the Dust Bunny. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was, was a bit of a, you know, a, a clown. Why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. From the world-famous Cardiff Electric Network Studios, it's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve, my little pal Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who gives me street cred with the wacko alternative medicine asshats. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. And Tacey, my partner in all things. Hello, Tacey. Hello. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call, 347-766-4323. That's 347-2HID. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at drscottwm. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, respiratory therapist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, blah, 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 blah whatever. And Tacey, I understand you're going to be leaving and then coming back later in the show, and that's fine. And uh, we'll uh, see you then. And uh, Dr. Scott, everything going well on... Um, on uh, simply, herb. uh, simply herbals. Thank yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, Thank you. Tacey's looking at me confused, but I'll explain those nasal in a minute. Sprays. <laughs> Lots of nasal sprays. Okay, yeah. Check him out yeah. at simplyherbals.net and check out stuff.drsteve.com, stuff.drsteve.com for all of your uh, Amazon needs and uh, patreon.com slash weirdmedicine where we do our, pa- Tacey and I do our Patreon over there, including the exam room where we have celebrities call in and uh, ask us questions and then uh, I'm doing Cameo still Cameo.com slash Weird Medicine for eight, seven, eight bucks something like that I'll say fluid to your mama so there you go alright uh, thank you don't forget to check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net that's simplyherbals.net and check out our website as I said at drsteve.com so alright how's it going Awesome. Yeah, you had a good week? Pretty good week. I don't give a shit. I know. So <laughs> it was nice of you to sign semi sincere. <laughs> pretend. Semi sincere. <laughs> I was just burning up like everybody else in the whole this part of the United yeah, States. Yeah, it's kind of that kind of sucks a little bit, but it's uh, uh-huh. I hear it's going to get better, but no one tunes in to us to listen to us talk about the weather. Prognosticating the... So uh, what kind of uh, medical uh, news do you have for us this week, Dr. Scott? Anything anything weird and wonderful and odd? Well, one, one thing that's really pretty wonderful is the fact that there is a new diabetes um, drug out that's helping patients lose weight like they've never seen before. Oh, really? What 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 is the drug? So the drug is called tirzepatide. <laughs> okay. That's ah, very good. close. That's pretty damn good. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been practicing. I actually read this 30 seconds before we came on, so I'm, I figured yeah, it's, so it's that notorious Dr. <laughs> Scott show prep. <laughs> yes, I've worked so hard. So the, so the drug works on two naturally occurring hormones that help control blood sugar and are involved in sending fullness signals from the gut to the brain. Yeah. So that whole feedback me- mechanism, which is really important to keeping us from feeling hungry all the time. 
um, what they noticed is that, that um, the uh, folks who have diabetes were losing weight and and lost um, up to 21% of their body weight. Yeah. In some cases, that's 50 to 60 pounds, Dr. Steve. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Um, and, and, and the great news is it helped with a lot of people there just a couple people dropped out of the um of the study because of some gi upset and um, that's real classic with these pretty drugs. common pretty common I mean, that's one of the ways they help you lose weight is by making yeah, you, you poop, sick to your you stomach poop yourself to death well, no or, it's, or it's so just, nauseated yeah, you just make you nauseated but you can't eat yeah. i'm looking at uh this article in the new england journal of medicine which is a pretty highfalutin medical journal right and this is where they were looking at it just for obesity alone. Okay. And it was a phase three, double-blind, randomized control trial. Ooh, Ooh very good. <laughs> Those are the ones we like. Yep. And they assigned 2,539 adults with a body mass index greater than 30. So obesity is characterized as 25 or more. Overweight is 25 or more. And so these people were uh, obese, or if they were 27 or more and had at least one weight-related complication, and that had to exclude diabetes in this case. Okay. So it could be osteoarthritis of the knees, I'm assuming, something like that, Mm -hmm. some of those kinds of things. And then uh, they were to receive once-weekly subcutaneous terzepatide, 5-milligram, 10-milligram, or 15-milligram, or placebo, for 72 weeks, so I'll give them credit for this one, too. They took their time, mm-hmm. and they weren't in a rush to get this thing to market, which is nice. You know, they watched people for a year and a half. And then they had a 20-week dose escalation period on top of that. So it was really 92 weeks. Okay. That's a so it was almost, yeah, it was right at pretty like study. two years, right? Uh, yep. Well, just under two years. And uh, their co-primary endpoints. Remember, you have to decide what your endpoint is going to be. What are we really looking for? Mm -hmm. And it was percentage change in weight from baseline and a weight reduction of 5% or more. So uh, at baseline, the mean body weight was 104.8 kilograms. So let's uh, ask uh, Echo what that is. Echo, what's 108 kilograms in pounds? 108 kilograms is about 238 pounds. Well, it's 108. By okay. the way. No, I don't care about the bio weight. <laughs> Echo, stop that. And so the mean BMI was 38. It was actually, mean body weight was 104.8. But you get it. They, these mm-hmm. were, you know, people with, with who were overweight. And uh, 95% of the participants had a BMI of 30 or higher. And so the mean percentage change in weight at week 72 was minus 15%. So we can figure this out. Um, uh, Echo, what is 85% of 104.8? Eight? 85% of 104.8 is 89.08. 89.08. Echo, what's 89 kilograms in pounds? 89 kilograms is about 196 pounds. So they went from 230 to 40 down to 190 something on average, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, so, yeah, so that's, uh, they have estimated that if you can lose 5 to 10% of your body weight, uh, you can reduce your risk of sudden death and other complications significantly. So, um, yeah, that's a big deal. So uh, this stuff, of course, will be insanely expensive in the beginning until they lose their patent but i gotta tell you i don't know how much it costs to do one person for two months and have all the different centers i mean this isn't just done in one office this is done in offices all over the place they got to pay everybody got to pay the nursing staff the laboratories that do the blood work everybody i mean these these things cost a lot of money to run about a hundred million dollars i think is what it is to get it to get a new drug to market just this one going, going through all the all the all the uh well i thought trials. some of them were like a yeah. billion dollars so. well i'm sure so, so, well, I'm, I'm sure it could yeah, do a whole lot more than 100 million i have a friend who's of. been on this show he, he might not want me identifying him that way but i have a friend who is on a drug for an unnamed malady but it's a rare <laughs> it's an orphan drug and okay. uh 
he had to do six shots, and each one of them were something like $800,000 a shot. Insurance paid for it, and I'm sure they discounted the shit out of them, but if you were paying cash, that's how much it would be. Yeah, well, they were saying th- these drugs, they're kind of ballparking early estimates, $1,000 a month for these. Yeah, so yeah. That's, a, that's a lot um, yeah. for 12 months if you're going to do it for these people did it for uh, 18 months. So you're talking 18 grand. To lose enough weight to really improve your outcomes, eh. you know, and if your insurance pays for it particularly, that's uh, probably a pretty good deal if you've tried everything else. Yes. You know, so, and uh, our goal is to save lives, but also quality of life. It does improve your quality of life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've seen people who talk about, well, you know, doctors are fed the same bullshit that we are about weight and weight isn't unhealthy and you know being overweight isn't unhealthy and it's not look the problem in what we're fed if you know what i mean (laughs) so i'm sorry sorry. that was terrible um but it's it, it it is indisputable that if you are overweight and you get a wasting illness like cancer, that your odds of living longer are higher. There's no question about that. But overweight also contributes to uh, disease states significantly, including malignancies, including diabetes, which then leads to heart attack and stroke and all of those things. So the risk-benefit analysis is still better to... Uh, manage your weight and get it down before you get ill rather than going well you know I, once I'm overweight I might as well stay this way because I'm uh, uh, because I have less likelihood or you know I have a improved survival if I get cancer that isn't really to me that's not a compelling argument it is to some people there are some people they get mad at me for even saying that there's any health benefit to losing weight, but it is if you look at the if you care about the data, mm-hmm. the data is absolutely there. Yep, and you know I think the other interesting thing about this drug is just think about a lot of the people that we have that have joint replacements. Yeah, early and then they get start adding weight because they can't get up and move, and then it gets worse yeah. and worse. And sometimes dropping that weight will allow them to get up and be more active and yeah. to heal quicker. So I think there's a lot of great benefits to it. Well, and and then there's just the lifestyle stuff. I mean, are, are you not sick of having to buy... I mean, I agree. It sucks. You have to buy two seats for an airplane or you can't ride rides. I mean, I broke my heart. There were two people in front of me at Tennessee Tornady at uh, Dollywood and they couldn't get the the, oh, the lap thing. Yeah. I know. It was awful. Oh, and they man. had to get up. And they were, you know what? It would have been not so bad if they'd been in the back. They were in the very front two seats. So every single person in line and everybody sitting in the ride, get, you know, saw this. And I felt horrible for them. Uh, but I'm no, I'm sure they felt worse about it. Yeah. And then there's the whole Dollywood thing that I love to tell that I've told a, a couple of times on this show that there is a sign at Dolly's Splash Country that's the double, and I shouldn't laugh, that, that the double tubes are for an adult and a small child not to exceed 500 pounds total. Now, if, if you have to make a sign for that, an adult and a small child and combined weight is more than 500 pounds, you have, they, they had a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Something happened on that ride for them to make that sign. Yeah, and uh, you know, so anyway, mm-hmm. if you get kicked out, you know, is it that's something? Yeah, it, yeah. it's a lifestyle issue. <clears throat> it is. Anyway, all right. So, uh, terhubadant, ter terzepa, terzepadant, terzepadant. God, now you I got said, me I doing. Said, it. I said it pretty. Terzepadant. That was pretty quick. Oh, look hey. who's here. The yep. boss. Here's here's the boss of all bosses. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'll turn your mic on as soon as you flip that switch. So Tacey's here, everybody. And uh, she has been, uh, and nobody cares about our kid or anything. I think it's on. Yeah, it's it on. Is, uh, it's hot. Nobody cares about our kids' excellent grades or any of that stuff. But um, he, uh, 
is now searching for an apartment because he's not getting along with his roommates. And that is, can you help her? Because I that's, think that's, she's got, she's plugging. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right, you get she's plugging in. Is that working? Yes. Okay. Oh, there you go. I was afraid. Okay. Yeah, those things go. weren't working for me the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are okay. you sure that's not just uh, him, him, him wanting to have a, his own place so that his his girlfriend can spend more time over there? Yeah, no, she can spend time over there now, but they're just you know they were best friends in high school and now not so much, and that kind of sucks. I hate that. Did but you, you never know till you live with somebody what they're really going to be like. Did nope. you play that um, funny phone call that we got about what? Liam? Oh no. I, no, I don't know. I don't know where that is, but somebody, I, you know, I may have cut it off, but it was somebody called and just asked if uh, Liam found his wallet. <laughs> and because we, Tacey and I, I think that was a Patreon show, and Liam called and said he couldn't find his wallet, so Tacey went left to go find it. Was that, were you here? Yeah. Scott? Okay. Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't a Patreon. Was there, yeah. Anyway, so somebody called, left a question, and at the end they said, uh, you know, did Liam ever find his wallet? The answer is yes. He found it, and it was right in front of his nose the whole time. It was on, it's a black wallet, and he had left it on a book called Berserk, Berserker, which is a, or a manga, and it's got a black cover. And so <laughs> it was a black wallet on a black book, and he just couldn't see it. Hmm. So um, I bought him one of those Apple discs so that I can track him wherever he goes, but also ostensibly so we can find his wallet <laughs> if you're losing it. And it's like, dude, so let's talk a little bit about absent-mindedness. There yes. are people listening to us that lose shit all the time. Yes. I'm one of those people. I have figured out a way to compensate for that. Mm -hmm. And that is by developing strict habits about certain things. So one thing and Tacey, and I'm going to tell the story about what happened this weekend that shows why this is an imperfect system. But <laughs> I, um, I'm always, I know my wallet is in my right front pocket, and uh, my watch, my, well, my watch is on my arm, obviously. Uh, my phone is in my pocket, and also my key. So those are my three things. And the only two places that my wallet ever is is in my pocket or on my nightstand. The only place, okay? Mm -hmm. Same for my phone. It's either in my pocket or on my nightstand. That way, if it's not in my pocket, I know it's effing on my nightstand, okay? And I've been telling Liam, wallet, nightstand, wallet, nightstand. And then, oh, I left it in my car. That's some, by the way, some 19-year-old dumbass shit where they've never been exposed to anything bad in this world. Well, I'll just leave my wallet in the front seat of my car. And then, I'll, you know, it's like, dude, yeah, come on. Don't do this. Um, so anyway, it's an invitation for trouble. It is, well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, don't don't give somebody a reason to break into your car. But um, so uh, and and so I've developed this. So this is the key: is you have to develop these habits because you're always for absent-minded people. You're going, well, I'm going to put my keys right here, and I'll remember where I put them, and then you don't, yeah. and then they're in some godforsaken place. Right that you don't remember. Well, okay, so this weekend, couldn't find my fucking glasses. <laughs> couldn't find my glasses. My glasses are either on my face or on my nightstand. Nice right. But I've kind of gotten in the habit of taking them off in the bathroom when I'm getting ready for bed and sometimes leaving them there saying, I'll come get them in the morning. Mm. Not there either. <laughs> not there. Not anywhere in the bathroom, not in the tub, not in the drawers. Not under the bed. Not, not right, looked under the bed. Oh, I did find a pair of glasses of there. He, Those were Tacy's glasses. Tacy's glasses. No, not too bad. Not too she bad. was. She has OCD worse than I do, so it was driving her crazy. <laughs> but I, find, I did find glasses under the bed, and they were Tacy's that she had lost a million years ago. So that, that was something. And I found two of the dog balls that they... Um, that you know ralphie lost when they did his uh spaying and no, we found neutering. a beeper i'm just kidding and i yeah i found a beeper that i lost about how many a year years ago, ago? <laughs> so anyway but couldn't find my fucking glasses couldn't find them and i just said you know whatever they'll turn up i know they have to be here they were in my in my pants pocket with my keys oh, geez. which i never go into my pants pocket for my keys because my car is one of those proximity locks yeah. Why the hell? You should cram your glasses in your phone I crammed. 
<laughs> scratch them up. I was getting ready. I put my wallet in my front thing, in my front pants pocket. I put my phone in my back pants pocket. I put my keys and my glasses in my left pants pocket like a dumbass. And we looked everywhere, and then it was like stupid asshole so i came downstairs of course i had to cop to it because it was funny because it's so dumb Hmm. so these things don't always work but they work better than not doing that (laughs) so if you're absent-minded you've got to develop those sort of proximity (laughs) things and then be checking all the time i'm always telling the boys when you go from the car to the restaurant do your inventory wallet keys phone Mm-hmm. When you go in, and then you sit down, and then when you get up, wallet, keys, phone. And then when you get back to the house, wallet, keys, phone, you know, until until you go to bed that night. And if you'll develop that habit, you'll lose these things a lot less than you normally do. That's a real common thing oh, yeah. is for people to be, particularly in this day and age, the things that, and you think, oh, gosh, I've got dementia. No, that's not a sign of a dementia exactly. It is a sign of um, anxiety, stress, a lot of stuff on your plate. Yeah. And those things, those intrusive thoughts will will bust in and destroy your short-term memory, the scratch pad memory, and then you just have completely forgotten where you put something. All right. Just remember, the opposite of forgetfulness is what? Presence. So being present, you forget less. Oh, I know another one. Uh, the opposite of forgetfulness is? I forget. I, for, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> okay. That's <Yeah>. hilarious. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm going to say Scott ruined that one. All right. <laughs> I can take it. All right. Um, we had a question in the waiting room. So when we are referring to the waiting room, what we're talking about is a small group of people uh, who, because we're on at the same time when Anthony has Gavin on. There are a lot of people who watch that instead. And I don't blame them uh, because they know they can hear this later. But uh, if you want to hang out with us, we're at, you know on YouTube. Just go to our YouTube channel. Follow us on um, on Twitter or our subreddit or YouTube. I said YouTube or Facebook, and I'll put out a, a, a note notification, and then you can come in and check it out. And uh, so we have people in the waiting room. So I see Amanda Swan mm-hmm. and uh, Darren Parker and somebody, Sean Pedrick and other people like that. They're just hanging out. And I'm not going to do like Stuttering John and sit here for 20 minutes and list everybody that's in the chat room. (laughs) Uh, So, But you can hang out, and then you can ask questions, and Scott usually picks them up. And one of the people, was it Sean that was asking about viral meningitis? Oh, didn't see that. Okay, well, anyway, uh, one of the people in the chat room had a child or, you know, a family member who was a child who had viral meningitis. Now... Viral meningitis obviously is meningitis, that's inflammation of the lining of the central nervous system. Those things are called meninges. And uh, it's a very common form of meningitis. If I had to choose between viral and, um, bacterial. and, and bacterial, I'll take viral because in adults, for the most part, it causes a chronic headache. Okay. Um, and most people get better on their own without treatment. Now. Uh, non-polio enteroviruses are the most common causes of viral meningitis in the United States. So a lot of people get these enteroviruses, and very few of them will develop meningitis. But mumps can do it. Herpes can do it. Uh, herpes encephalitis is a, is a rough one, and that one usually requires IV medication. Influenza can cause meningitis. But these I've, I've been doing this 35 years, and I... All of the viral meningitides that I've seen have all been non-polio enteroviruses. Hmm. And uh, so anyway, these people will get fever, irritable irritability, poor eating, particularly in kids. You know, they'll just go off their feed. Uh, they might be lethargic, hard to wake them up from sleep. And, um, you know, common symptoms can also include fever, headache, stiff neck, that kind of stuff. And so they'll diagnose this. 
by uh, doing lab tests, and sometimes they'll get a stool sample. Other times they have to do a, a lumbar puncture, yeah, okay. which is where they stick a needle in your back and get some uh, fluid. cerebrospinal fluid and look fluid and look at it under the microscope. So in most cases, there isn't any specific treatment for the viral meningitis, and most people who get it, if it's mild, get better in seven to ten days. Good. And antibiotics don't help. No. So there you go. So that that's that, and hopefully the kid uh, follows the normal course, has a real mind, mild syndrome, and just gets better quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right? Good. All right. You got anything else over there? Yeah, well, Darren, Darren Parker was asking last week and, and tied it into this week. I guess he started having um, maybe some cardiac concerns. Okay. He started taking Crestor. He was prescribed Crestor started to have some sores on his scalp. Okay. Well, Crestor is Rosuvastatin. That right. is a statin, Dr. Scott's favorite. Yes. I mean, All right. They, um, anyway, we'll, we'll skip past that part. But he, <laughs> he was asking, uh, uh, really a two-part question. He was asking if, if, if we've ever heard of anyone that has scalp ulcerations yep. or sores. Absolutely. Yeah, with, with Crestor. Statins so are known. Because a bunch of terrible stuff. Oh, Whatever. <laughs> Statins are known to cause... Keeps uh, my triglycerides under control. <laughs> um, eczema. Well, that is... That's, by God, that's uh, um, anecdotal evidence there, Taste. That's right. <laughs> um, eczema. It can cause a cutaneous version or form of lupus, mm-hmm. even. Yeah, which is not Porphyria cutanea tarda, which we've talked about on this show before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often associated with liver disease. Uh, bullus... Dermatosis. Bullous dermatoses are are uh, dermatoses, you know, derma, um, pathology of the skin that cause um, blistering. Mm. So you can get big sort of fluid-filled blisters. They can also cause uh, phototoxicity. In other words, people, all of a sudden, they're on a statin. They're really sensitive to sunlight. You know, Lifeline has got to stop calling me. Hang on a second. Let's no. just take this call. No. Hello? Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, so. Um, okay, so. So, photosensitive. So, th- those people will go out, and all of a sudden, God, I just go outside, and now I get uh, sunburned yeah, all the time. Quickly up. Well, there's a second part to this story. Yep. Yeah. So, so yes, that is a possibility, and possible. it is unusual. A lot of providers will miss that for a day or two. Mm-hmm. They're used to hearing about muscle aches and right. pains, neuropathies, and that and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was talking about. Uh, like, so I guess he took may, maybe he's not on right now. He's I guess traveling, but he said that he decided I guess to go get a calcium score of his heart. Okay, uh, excellent. The number of scores. Were elevated, and he went because, and, and we're going to give him credit for this, in memory of GVAC, he yes, went to have his calcium. Thank so you. thank you very much for doing that. And, um, Let's talk about the calcium score just for a second. Yeah, sure, sure. It's just a test that they do with a CT scanner that um, is done between cycles. It literally takes 30 seconds to do. Mm-hmm. When I did my last one, they said, hold your breath. And then by the time I let my breath out, they're like, okay, you're done. That's like, really? And uh, what it does is it looks at some imaging of the heart and the blood vessels in and around the heart. And then it calculates this thing called a calcium score. And it gives you sort of an idea. It's not a perfect test, but it's a good screening test to see if you need something further done. Yep. So I guess because of his calcium score, they sent him straight over for a um, stress test. Oh, so what was his score? <laughs> well, he didn't say, and, and like I said, he's on the road. So um, okay, but he must have called in and said to ask you about high altitudes and suicide rates. Did you get an email? I don't know. Let's on? do one thing at a time, yeah. though. Let's talk about um, about the calcium yeah. score. So, so, uh, so they sent him straight over, and then what? Well, and it, and now and then he dropped off. He's going on a road trip, so we'll have to find out. So he's he never had. Wait, oh, he's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's oh, gone for there. For fuck's sake. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm just, with you. I'm, okay, I'm just the messenger. So um, a score of zero means that they don't see any calcium in the heart, and then a score of 100 to 300 means moderate plaque is there. Plaques are just places where calcium and other, you know, fibrous tissue are building up in the heart uh, or the coronary arteries. And that is uh, associated with relatively high risk 
over the next three to five years, and then a score of greater than 300 is a sign of very high to severe disease, and that's they would send somebody over. Right on. So um, that that probably is what happened, and I would love to know what if he's driving around. I'm assuming that his his um, stress test was okay. Yes, one would assume so, because they. Uh, I, I had a nuclear stress test once, and what they're doing with that is um, basically they stress you, and then they give you an injection of a, a substance that will bind to areas that are currently metabolizing oxygen. Mm-hmm. And then they can, and it's also radioactive, so they'll put you in front of a scanner. So if you have a blocked coronary artery, obviously that part of the of the um, heart muscle is not using oxygen and it won't uh, bind to that and it'll gotcha. show up as a hole or a gotcha. dark spot. Dark spot. So anyway. Well, cool. There is a, so on to his, the second part of his question that he's not able to listen to, uh, there is a one study that shows a positive relationship between average state altitude and suicide rate, but, but um, uh, correlation is not causation. Right. So Utah, the average geographic altitude is 6,000 feet. Rate of suicide is 70% higher than average. But remember, those are relative numbers. The absolute risk, we could calculate that. Matter of fact, put that down for next time, Scott. Gotcha. We, we will uh, calculate the the absolute risk of suicide when you're moving from, say, uh, what's the lowest altitude be about Arizona, maybe? From there to Utah. Yeah, South Florida. And then Florida. you're going to see, well, true. Okay, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah, right. It's at yeah. sea level. Yeah. So, uh, but I think there's some parts like Death Valley's below sea level, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll look at that, and then we'll calculate the absolute risk, and you're going to see that that absolute risk is pretty small. All right? Yep. Maybe we'll do it on the podcast this week. We'll see. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. All right. What else you got? That it? That'll be about from, all. From from there. Now, you had some uh, some other uh, you know, you, uh, articles that you wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, another article. <clears throat> and you've actually, um, I'm not sure where you got this, but it's about the uh, changes to the brain. Okay. Following a, an injury. Okay, what kind it's of It's a injury? TBI, so a head injury. Okay. So what they're saying is every year in the United States, nearly 2 million Americans sustain traumatic brain sure. injuries, or TBI, and survivors can live with lifelong physical, cognitive, and emotional disabilities. And currently there are no great treatments. Yeah. Right. And we, we've all treated those and, and, yeah. and, and done our best to work with those. Um, but they've known for, for many, many years that, that these the brain tries to recruit and make new connections yep and what they've found now is they they may have a way Uh-oh. to actually using some um it's a, it's a weird process called i disco <coughs> excuse I me disco. Yeah, I, I don't know just uh, that's, that's whatever <laughs> what? the anagram is donna right? summer uh, it's what it sounds like but actually being able to maybe try to spell it it's um small i mm-hmm. disco capital d-i-s-c-o okay 
I disco. Yeah. Because you're probably going to pronounce it like. No, I, I, it looks like I disco. <laughs> for trauma, for TBI? Yeah. yeah. yeah but that's okay. that's the imaging that they're using. So, um, oh, oh, know, oh, oh, okay, okay. As yeah. far as they, being these are labeled, that's it. for creating maps, right? And that's how they're that's how they determine um, where these brain cells are, are communicating. Yeah. So they're hoping that they can they can use this mapping to 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 either put in some some new uh, some gene therapy. Yeah. Like you know, like they're doing with, with say the CRISPR, where they're they're modifying the genes, but um, they're hoping that that they can actually create new pathways to reverse some of these TBI injuries. Wow. Okay, well, that would be interesting. This is uh, one of the the immune system, which we're getting a handle on, and the neurologic system is a frontier of science that's still yet to be fully explored. We have no idea what makes consciousness. No. Do you know, Tase? (laughs) Exactly. Retirement. Retirement. Retirement makes consciousness. You think so? Pretty sure they have something to do with it. Yeah, so uh, they use this process called IDISCO, which uses solvents to make biological samples transparent. This process leaves behind a fully intact brain that can be illuminated with lasers and imaged in 3D with specialized microscopes. So I'm assuming they're doing this on people who are no longer with us. Okay, probably. I I remember when I was in medical school, uh, we were in some lecture, and there was uh, the the um, professor was showing slides of brains, right? Okay. And they were saying, well, this patient was in a motor vehicle accident and suffered a blood clot to uh, this particular artery, and he showed us a section of the brain that had just a big, giant blood clot in it. Mm-hmm. And some knucklehead in my class raised their hand in all seriousness and said, so uh, what happened to the patient? Because we're taught to, you know, you have to be em- empathetic, and you, which that's not a wrong thing. I mean, no. it's the right thing. Sure. And But this was this person was trying to, like, show, oh, I, I who cares about all this? What happened to the patient? The <laughs> professor just said, well, usually when you see sections of brain, you can assume that the patient didn't make it. So anyway, so I'm assuming in this case they're putting solvents in these brains and making them completely transparent and then probing them with lasers that these people have deceased. Yeah, but you know what really interesting thing I was reading about this, Dr. Steve, was that in a lot of these TBIs, what the problem is inhibition is lower. And, And certainly you'll see that after... Even after TBIs, after someone's had maybe a surgery to their brain for a tumor, yeah, and it changes their personality and they they lose some of these inhibitions. So, what what part of their research is is actually to neutralize? Have you ever heard of Phineas Gage? I have, but I can't tell you why. Okay, go ahead, finish, yeah, and I'll tell you his story. In yeah, a but second. it's real. It's really incredible. So what they're actually trying to do with some of the with some of the cell therapy is to disinhibit these inhibitory neurons. Interesting. So, so they're 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 not allowed. Interesting. Yeah, it's really that's what I, it was kind of cool. That's, I didn't get all the way down through there, but I thought that's really that incredible. is interesting because, because you think problem. oh someone's lost their inhibition, but oh, to yeah. disinhibit the neurons would make them worse. But no, you're disinhibiting neurons that normally would inhibit right. the brain. It's a double negative, and it makes everybody very confused. Yeah, isn't it crazy? Yeah, Phineas Gage was this um, uh, was this railroad uh, construction guy. And uh, what happened was a lar- this iron rod was driven completely through his head, okay. and it d- destroyed his left frontal lobe. So that would be, you know, obviously the left side of his brain mm-hmm. in the front. And uh, it caused all kinds of weird um, um, uh, behavioral problems. And uh, he's he's been a fixture in neuro- neurological research and just sort of the history of neurology forever. But he survived. Wow. It's so crazy that this guy survived this injury. And um, I'm just looking here. Let me see if I can see the kinds of things that happened to him. Um, well, I said a tamping iron landed... Uh, Oh, the, okay, so the it landed point first, 80 feet away. If that tells you how how oh. powerful this this injury was, it bounced. Yeah, well, I mean, no, it went through his head, and it landed 80 feet away. Holy 
So I guess they were blasting or something, and uh, they had this tamping rod in the, or maybe they were tamping this uh, the charge down into the maybe. ground, oh, maybe, yeah. and then it exploded and went just boom, right through his brain. And uh, oh, yeah, that just uh. yeah, he had all kinds of uh, strange behaviors after that. Uh, one thing that, if you're interested, a really good book on these kinds of things is The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. Okay. That's a great book about weird neurologic injuries and stuff. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, and another one, I think written by the same guy, was one called Mind of a Mnemonist. And it's Mind of, it's M-N-E, a mnemonist. And there was, it was this guy that had this crazy um, malady that he could not forget anything. He was incapable of forgetting anything, and they would give him lists of a hundred things, and then years later they would come back and ask him what was on that list, and he could name them. One time he made a mistake, and uh, the mistake was that he forgot candy cane on this list. And when they said, "Why did you miss that one?" he said, "Well," and he thought about it for a second, and he said, "Okay, I see why I, I missed that." I had laid the candy cane against a brick wall, and when I walked by it, I just missed it Didn't because it. it blended into the brick wall. Oh, what? Wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and his brain was just cataloging things yeah. constantly. He was walking around in this world. That's insane. And that's something. So there's all kinds of cool stuff. If you separate the right brain from the left, because there's this n- neurologic tissue going between the two called the corpus callosum, and when you sever that, you can do some really interesting experience, oh, experiments yeah. with those people. Yeah, They'll do that sometimes for people with refractory seizures, particularly back in the old days. Yeah. And in those cases, uh, you could show something to the right side of the brain. Let's say you show a bunch of pictures. Mm-hmm. And and one of them is a horse, and there's a way that you can just show it to the right side of the brain. Sure, you can do that through the partition, eyes, right, yeah. right? Partition. And uh, the person would be able to pick it out of a lineup, but would not be able to say what Couldn't it say was that they said. But they can they point saw. to the word yes. horse on, or they on could a piece point of to the picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw. I saw a similar. It's thing. nuts. Yeah, I think we. I think we. We may have discussed this years ago, but. Um, it's very similar. A corpus callosum had been severed on this one gal, and, and she was she was showing how when she'd go into her closet, mm-hmm. and she she knew that she wanted to wear a red dress. Yeah. But if she went up with her like her left hand, it wouldn't pick a red dress no matter how. Because it she didn't tried. want to. It didn't want to. So it'd pick like that orange dress or the yellow dress and pull out. But her right hand or whatever would actually be able yeah. to go and pick out the because the that's dress. Well, that's wild. Bizarre. Isn't that yeah, because they, 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 they're fighting. Yeah, they're yeah, fighting. Yeah. There's two distinct things in there, yeah. and they totally right they cooperate. But uh, the left brain is where speech and all the, and most people, 99% of people, Mm -hmm. uh, the left brain will be where speech and sort of that sort of uh, executive processing is. But the right brain has very important Mm -hmm. functions, but it's mute. Mm -hmm. And um, if you... Yeah, it in other words, you can't you can't you can't say things. Well, the right brain, brain yeah. can't yeah. can't speak, but it has very important functions. So, if you uh, try to draw a face and you're not an artist and you haven't learned to look with the right side of the brain, the left side of your brain will go. Well, I know what a nose looks like. It's a circle with two little holes in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's not what a nose looks like. The left brain is all about symbols and stuff. The right brain is about the shapes, but you have to shut up the left brain because it always thinks it knows better. So a really cool trick is to take a photograph of somebody and set it in front of you and draw from it with the picture right side up. And just draw and do the best you can. Try to draw what they and then and then take that drawing and set it aside turn it over so you can't look at it after you're done now flip the picture of the person upside down mm-hmm. so now it is upside down to you and now draw it again using drawing it from that upside down perspective and when you're done look at both of the pictures and the one that you did with the left side of your brain which is when they were when it was right side up mm-hmm. is going to look like a two-year-old did it unless you're an artist if you're yeah. an artist this doesn't work yeah. uh, but if if you're a normal person that's a non-artist type person that second picture will look much more realistic mm. 
and uh it's it's astounding the yeah. difference yeah. just with that one little test so you can see the difference between right and left brain and the right brain tends to be able to see the shapes but you have to shut the left brain up and the left brain can't understand an upside down picture very well that cool that's pretty awesome fucking yep. brains yeah that's cool. brains are awesome <laughs> all right that's why zombies like to eat them. That's right. <laughs> hey, we've got one from Talk Like Trying Hick. to get knowledge. If you want it. Yeah, what is it? So so, so Talk Like Hick to you, she has the female question of the week. Okay. Drum roll, please. Okay. Um, anti- <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, A- sorry. Antiperspirants sorry. and deodorants for the vagina. And okay, Tace, you ass, better take this and one. And ass. So what is up with that? Do you think they're good or they're bad? Well, I don't know. I mean the science behind it but i've used lumi oh lumi what is that it's a, a see now you're like talking some this is tacy's got a girl a chick iq of 120 yeah, no, so. we're, and we're like huh <laughs> so um, it's, it's like a, is this like a refresher it's, or no it's um it's it's not an antiperspirant okay oh it's Boo. it's it's a deodorant <laughs> smells weird when you put it on but it it does work yeah. shut up it does work um, when you say work i mean it makes you not stink smell okay. yeah i mean it's i want something that's not gonna make me sweat all of a sudden i've started sweat i've got flop sweat like crazy i've never had this problem before and i, I thought i was incontinent it's like, am I pissing in my pants? I would only tell this story because I've discovered that I am not incontinent. Right. I did a test where I took I took uh, gauze and toilet paper, wadded it up, and put it on the end of my you know male membership, mm-hmm. and then came back after I felt like I had pissed my pants, and there was no urine there. It's just sweat. Well, but see, women. Are different. No, I know. So, oh, really? oh, I don't know. I thought <laughs> oh, you just like, oh, oh, you're in trouble no, now, sorry, buddy. Sorry, I'm just you better tighten up. Okay, She'll kick your ass. And 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 I like how it's a question for a woman, but then you go ahead and turn it around. No, 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 no. I'm just talking about me. Yes. Uh huh. That's all. How does it oh, affect him? Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> no, I'm I'm empathizing with women. Go ahead. So, I I think the Lumi is good. I, I really do like it. Yeah. Um. But it's not, it doesn't have an antiperspirant in it. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, if you spend all day out and you've had a couple of kids, I mean, by the end of the day, it, it can get kind of stinky down there. Hmm. So, I've never noticed taste. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, okay. Thank you. Bed of roses, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Bed of yep. roses. That's yep. I, I did that's read That's what one, I would assume. That's what I would assume. One time on Facebook, um, they were talking about this very subject, and one person wrote, it's, it's a vagina. It's not supposed to smell like flowers. Right, 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 right. I'm, so, and I'm fine with no, that. No. Yeah. It shouldn't smell like, you know, 10-day-old rotten fish either. <laughs> I mean, well, there's, you know, there's a spectrum there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a spectrum. <laughs> right? Somewhere in between, so I would between say, the two, somewhere in the middle. And, and I don't know if I've said this or not, but it does smell a little weird when you put it on, but that smell goes away. So yeah. I would recommend that And product. it says... Um, it's baking soda free and aluminum free. We are not, you know, uh, they're not a sponsor of the show. Mm. No, and and so yet, also, yet. Steve, uh, there are, are a lot of women that believe, and I, I don't know where I'm at on this, in the natural deodorants because that um, aluminum can cause cancer in the breast. And I so have they heard don't, that, but I've never. I don't know. They don't want to use the the antiperspirant they're concerned about it yes yeah. so and that's, fair. that's where a lot of this natural deodorant sure. stuff's coming from totally understand i'm looking at a uh, use of underarm cosmetic products in relation to risk of breast cancer case control study and uh what this found was um use of underarm uh they're saying ucp let me see let me see how they're what the okay underarm cosmetic, cosmetic products yeah, okay. yeah was significantly associated with risk of breast cancer but the p was 0.036 so it wasn't you know 0.05 is where we say well one in 20 so it was less than 0.05 but it's not strongly associated mm-hmm. and um so i understand where people you know if they are uh, concerned about this and that they look at these kinds of studies that they made that was from 2017 that people would be hey no i don't want to i don't want to uh, do 
aluminum. Now, mm-hmm. let me tell you what the American Cancer Society says about it, that uh, cancer-causing substances and antiperspirants are absorbed through razor nicks from underarm shaving. They're said to be deposited in the lymph nodes under the arm, not able to uh, clear them uh, by sweating because the antiperspirant keeps you from perspiring. Well, that makes sense. Hmm. Now, most breast cancers develop in the upper outer uh, quadrant of the breast because that area is closest to the lymph nodes exposed to antiperspirants. This is the the claim. Okay. okay? And then now the American Cancer Society, which really I can't think of a reason why they would have a dog in this hunt other than the truth. They said no strong epidemiologic studies in the medical literature that link breast cancer risk and antiperspirant use. And there's very little scientific evidence to support this claim. That one study was one of those things, but that was pretty darn, it was pretty weak. Right. And it was not a, a, a perfect study. Uh, it says here, a carefully designed epidemiologic study of this issue published in 2002 compared 813 women with breast cancer and 793 women without the disease. They found no link between breast cancer risk and antiperspirant use. Uh, shit, and I just lost um, lost my um, well, place way here. to go. Sorry. <laughs> so, squirrel, but that's squirrel. a big... Um, yep. A, a big thought amongst a lot of my friends you know i have friends sure. who don't wear deodorant i have friends who wear natural deodorant and well and then the, the thing is what's in the natural deodorants are there any carcinogens in those too and i would want to know about that they so. just i yeah. mean what they would say about natural deodorant is they just don't have the aluminum right stuff right Here's one, here's one study that looked at the absorption of aluminum from antiperspirants containing aluminum chlorhydrate applied to underarms, found that less than 0.012% was actually absorbed, and the amount of aluminum absorbed would be much less than what would be expected to be absorbed from foods a person eats during the same amount of time. Because there is aluminum in our food. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then it also doesn't seem breast cancer tissue contains more aluminum than normal breast tissue study that looked at women with breast cancer found no real difference in the concentration of aluminum between cancer and the surrounding normal tissue. So if you want to cherry pick studies, then yeah, okay, there Possibly. there was that one study that showed some risk. Yeah. But if you look at the totality of all the studies, there's no evidence that this is a real thing. Okay. Now, so would I argue with someone for using a natural antiperspirant? No, unless there are people at work saying, I can't work next to you because you stink. Yeah, you sweat like a hog. And in, and, and in that, sweat's one thing, but smelling's yeah, another. Yeah. And so if someone sweats a lot and they don't care if they have sweat pit stains, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. If they smell bad and people are complaining about them, those are the people that maybe I would say, you know what, maybe the risk of is is worth the benefit you know <laughs> we got to do, find a better solution because <laughs> i've known people i mean that's some real stuff where i've had people come in and say hey i smell so bad people are complaining at work and it's what are you using well i use deodorant every day i use deodorant soap but that's not enough for some people yeah well you know kim kim chickens is saying well don't shave because you mentioned yeah. the nicking of the well uh, that was the supposition yeah. that right, they okay. the reason but yeah go ahead well i was just one in, in, in lieu of shaving can yep. you do could you do nair or uh, uh waxing or yeah something? or know. just Ooh. i don't know i mean I don't waxing know. or you yeah. could just shave close yeah with um with a, tr- a shaver trimmer. that's got trimmer. with a trimmer that's yeah. got a guard, guard on yeah. it and then yeah. you won't nick yourself i think that'd be a good idea i'm not grossed out by by a hair and a woman, and, you know, if it's yeah. hanging out down to their, you know, their abdomen, that's kind of gross. That's a little different. I mean, but that's gross in a dude. Kind of, it kind of makes things stinky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Understood. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Well, well, well thanks. Well, I was a good. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? Uh, that's about all I've got for now. Well, those are good. Okay. Yeah, um, thanks to our wonderful. Let's do this one about a Freezing. deviated septum. How about that? Oh, cool, yeah. Okay. Oh, here we go. Yeah, hey, Doc. It's Zach from oh, Oklahoma. Go. I hope you and Dr. Scott are doing well. Thanks, man. Oh, and yeah. I wasn't oh my godding about you. I was because I was afraid that the player wasn't going to play. Um, got a question for the both of you. Maybe maybe one of you can help me out. Uh, all my life, I've had horrible sinuses. Um, I have a bad problem with allergies. Um. I have a deviated septum, which doesn't help. I get bad sinus infections. Ever since I was in high school, I've always used Flonase 
Uh, okay, that won't, we're running out of time. That won't help no. a deviated septum. A deviated septum is a medical problem. Tacey had it. Yes. She had it so bad she had a thing called a concha below, so I had to have it removed. And did you notice any difference? I can drive. I feel like I can drive a Mack truck up into my nostril. If you get a good ENT surgeon, they know what they're doing, and you've had these problems your whole life, getting it fixed will change your life. all the difference. And, I mean, I didn't know that I wasn't breathing. Right. Right. You don't know how bad it is until you get it fixed. And And I got a a free nose job. Yeah. And, yeah, if you got a... Goofy looking nose. Sometimes they can fix it while they're they're there, and just call it medically necessary. <laughs> yeah, so talk to your uh, primary care or your ear, nose, and throat provider about that. You may be able to get that fixed. Anyway, what other questions you got there, Doctor Scott? Before yes, we, we got go? Bob. Oh, Bobo. He was asking Bob-o. about oh, Bobo. Actually, it's technically it's Bob M, but you know, he was saying <laughs> that last week we we were talking about scoliosis. Okay. And um, he says he's thirty eight years old. He's got some scoliosis. One of his legs is about an inch shorter than the other. Okay. It doesn't bother me now, but I want to make sure it's not going to get worse. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, okay. I don't know why you made that noise. Well, but. well is everybody like that? Well, <clears throat> no, well, not, not, not to where inch. it's clinically not relevant. So, I, does he, Bob, do you know the degree of scoliosis that you have? Because there are different sure. degrees. Yeah, and which mine way? got worse. Mm hmm. But um, what do you think, Dr. Scott? What are you going to say? Well, I was going to the, the person num- that deals the with The number stuff. one thing I would say is a lot of a lot of stretching, a lot of back stretches, hamstring stretches, core strengthening, et cetera, trying to keep those the, the pelvis as balanced as you can, try to keep that leg length discrepancy from getting too much worse. Yeah. Because that does, it does, it just goes right up the chain from your ankle to your knee to your hip. And what about your uh, shoe inserts? If they're... Uh, if their one leg is shorter than the other. And certainly shoe inserts, you know, we like to start small, uh, an eighth of an inch first. Really? Because you don't want to go up too quickly because yeah. that can really throw off the hip and the back. And um, so I think shoe inserts are certainly good. But the, the key is going to be just a really um, great stretching exercise plan to try to slow the progression. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Tacey is right, though, about... And let me give you one of these, Tacey. Give yourself a bill! More than 50% of people do have subtle difference in their leg length. That's what I, that's what that's I was That's what you asking. were talking okay. about. Yeah, okay, the I scoliosis. I didn't hear the scoliosis so part. Yeah. So that is absolutely true. And most of the time it doesn't cause problems. But if it's um, more than a couple of centimeters, so 2.5 centimeters is one inch, then it can affect your uh, quality of life for sure. And uh, these things can be caused by a lot of things, bone infections, bone disease. But in Bob, of course, it's caused, we think, by his scoliosis. And they should do x-rays and all those things to uh, look at these things and line everything up, make sure that there's not something that they can fix. And uh, wearing a shoe lift is one thing. Uh, like Scott said, they would you probably start small and work up. Mm-hmm. But then surgery is a possibility, but that's usually done in people who have this as a when they're a child so that they can either stretch one of the limbs or cause one of the other ones not to grow as fast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so in children who are still growing, uh, there's a thing called epiphysiodesis. And uh, what that is is just basically you're trying to slow down the growth plate in uh, the longer leg. And then uh, you can do lower limb shortening. You can do lower limb lengthening uh, with, a, with a thing that looks like an external fixator. And then they just keep screwing that. that Separated, um, yeah. Uh, what's it called um, when you turn a turnbuckle? Yeah. It's like got like a turnbuckle on it, yep. and they'll keep screwing it to try to straighten that limb. Mm. But uh, honestly, the best place to go is either um, it was to an orthopedic office. Let them, uh, preferably one that's got a spine surgeon mm. in the in the center. If you do ortho, and if it's neurosurgeon, of course. Yeah, but well, I'm just saying to so that they can both look at yeah, it and yeah. say, yes, you don't need to do anything. That's what we're hoping is they'll say you don't need to do anything, and they'll send you to an orthotic shop and they'll get you a lift in the short legs shoe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess his Cobb angle he says is 49. Which is what's forty nine? Forty nine is pretty significant. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And a talk like Hickey would. Uh, what amount would make it clinically relevant? 
What's that? Um, scoliosis? I guess, I guess in scoliosis, yeah. Well, like we said, uh, more than a one-inch difference in leg length can affect your quality of life. And then, um, you know, it's, I don't know, it's... Anything greater than 10 degrees is going to start to be a mild scoliosis. Yeah, let's um, let's look up, let's grade scoliosis here. Yeah, it's the Cobb scale, Cobb, Cobb angle measurement. Or you, did you look that up? So yeah. you have the answer in front of you. Yeah. So why am why am I struggling here? So what what is it? So well, you said ten is mild. Yeah. So one to nine is is uh, is normal. Is you know normal scoliosis or very mild. Uh, ten to twenty four um, degree curve is considered mild scoliosis. Needs to be monitored. Twenty five to thirty nine degree curve um, is considered moderate. You get up to forty to forty nine degree curve generally. Um, is considered um, a brace to avoid surgery, yeah. and then and then getting up past that, you start looking. So at and he was fifty to 70. he was in that grade uh, three. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So so yeah, they're you know they're suggesting bracing and, and certainly bracing. I'd get this looked but, at. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I'm sure he has. He, he said they found it when he's in ninth grade. So okay, so he's been he's been. Oh, so he's just he's years, been living yeah. with it all this time, and he just wonders what's going to happen later. Well, I can tell you this by God, that mine got worse yeah. <laughs> as I got older. I'm about an inch shorter than I was when I was in college, and uh, yeah, it, did, it has caused me to have some difficulty. So uh, you want to have someone that's monitoring this over time. Yeah, of course, you're twice as old as Bob. So that's, that's Oh, how old is he? He's 38. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Not quite twice as old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You All got right. anything else? Nah, that's a bit. Hey, All thanks, right. Bob. Just keep doing it. Yeah, Bob, keep us man. in the loop on yeah. that. I would like to know um, how that turns out and what they say if you do some further monitoring. All right. Well, let's get out of here, Dr. Scott. Uh, thanks. Always go to Dr. Scott. Thanks, Tacey. We can't forget Thank you. Rob, Sprance, Bob, Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teff, that Gould girl, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Chowdy1008, Howdy Gooplunk, Eric Nagel, the Port Charlotte whore, the Saratoga Skank, the Florida Floozy, the St. Pete Barkeep Blower, the Dolly Museum Diddler, the ballet bimbo the girl with the genetic half-sister no one knows about percy dumb roland campos sister of chris sam roberts she who owns pigs and snakes pat duffy bill the cop keith the cop dennis falcone matt kleinschmidt dale dudley holly from the gulf christopher walken's voice double guitarist steve tucci the great rob bartlett adam goldstein car girl vic Thank you for your service. Cardiff Electric, Casey the Soil Scientist, Carl of the Talipe's Aquinaveras Carls, <laughs> Producer Chris, the subreddit News Chick, a.k.a. That oh my God, it's like the whole Crows show. and the Bukaki Queen, Jenny Jingles, the Inimitable, Vincent Paulino, it everybody. really is bad. Eric Zane, Trucker Andy, Tucker and Anita Dixon, <laughs> uh, Bernie and Sid, Martha from Arkansas's daughter, Ron Bennington, of course. Our dear departed friends, GVAC and Barry the Blade, and Todd Hillier, who supported the show, was always gracious and always appreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com. Okay. <laughs> Nobody listens this far anyway. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Don't take those headphones off yet. Why not? you know and trust is now angie and we're so much more than just a list we still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly 
we can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.